Hi everyone, it's Amelia Quint, and you're listening to Bad Astrologers, where we take a cultural, spiritual, literary, and mythological look at the heavens. As always, Bad Astrologers is an independent production supported entirely by our patrons. Over at patreon.com slash badastro, you can get access to exclusive monthly forecasts, horoscopes for every zodiac sign, and of course, the new mini episodes called Stellar School, which are a great place to learn astrology and also take a deep dive if you want to expand your knowledge. So consider doing that if you want to keep the absolute best research and recording going on the show. We would be so grateful. And as always, if you want to support us for free, the best thing you can do is head over to iTunes and leave a five-star review and let people know what you love about listening. It really is like enchanting the algorithm, so consider heading over and doing that now. And as always, you can visit Instagram and Twitter at Bad Astrologers to keep up with all the latest releases of both new episodes and new mini episodes as well. So make sure that you don't miss out. So for today's episode, it's time for a magical journey. So without further ado, I want you to sit back, relax, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. So today I want to talk about astrological magic. Those are two words that seem really simple, but when you try to find information about the place where they converge, it can be kind of, well, slim pickings, as we say in South Carolina. Um, Recently, I've had several of my astrology students come to me and say, hey, I think I want to do some magic. What do I do? And I realized that there really is a dearth of, hear me out, accessible knowledge on this topic. And that is the place where I want to start this conversation. This is going to be a discussion of, of course, some practical how-tos on the place where the stars align with sorcery, which is basically my favorite place to live. That was exactly what this podcast was born out of. But I also want to talk about the places where they intersect in our community and how we can better understand that both from a cultural and historical lens um, and also how we can situate ourselves within the rhythms of the stars to be better magicians. So let's get into it. The first thing that I want to do is acknowledge the fact that the wider community of mystics, so within that I include astrologers, witches, tarot readers, and anybody else who feels a call towards what we might call, I don't know, what you would find in the occult section of the bookstore. We can all do a pretty bad job of assuming someone's magical knowledge, no matter, you know, where they come from. If there's an interest on astrology, we assume that they might also be a witch or someone who would practice magic. And that's simply just not true. Um, Astrology and magic are a Venn diagram, but they aren't the same thing. You can have one without the other. But the trick is that Instagram blurs the line because, as has been talked about on the show, circa 2015, there was this massive boom in interest in... Again, what I would call the occult. So there was the witchcraft renaissance, and it happened alongside the astrology renaissance. So it's a bit silly because both of these topics and traditions have been alive for thousands of years. I'm not saying there's some unbroken tradition, but I'm saying in general, these things have been practiced for many, many long years. Um, But... As far as getting them out into the public eye and out of that sort of like musty corner of Barnes and Noble, uh, 2015 did a lot towards that, putting these symbols and these ideas out in front of people on Instagram, on 
fashion runways. This is an aside, but I want to say why astrological magic matters. I don't know if y'all saw, I think it was the Dior handbag that had the five of swords on it. So uh, tarot folks in the room will know that the five of swords, the five of swords might actually be my least favorite card in the tarot deck. It it's basically victory achieved through hurting other people. And whether you're doing that to someone else or they're doing it to you, when you get that card, it's like, ugh, the vibes are really bad. So <laughs> part of astrological magic and magic more widely is understanding the, the symbolic language of these things and being able to use it in a smart way. I'm not sure that I would want to put my money, like my credit cards and my phone that I used to communicate into an object that is emblazoned with a symbol because symbols have power. Anyways, point being, circa 2015, Instagram really blurred the line between where sort of a casual interest in pop astrology ended and the assumption that you were gonna like make a crystal grid and burn herbs of some kind in your bedroom like it was almost like a brand new mythos of the modern witch was created and i'm not saying that that's a bad thing actually i think a lot of us had been doing that and living in that liminal space for a while i know that i most certainly was um, but the algorithm, as we are all too aware, um, certain aesthetic photos started to get popularized and, you know, a lot of things related to both magic and astrology. Um, well, it's kind of a content machine, you know? There's always a new full or new moon to write about. There's always another retrograde. Um, there's always another spell that you can do to get more what people have been trying to get out of magic forever, love or money or power, so on and so forth. Um, and the TLDR version is astrology and magic got so fused with their pop cultural portrayals, especially through things like Chilling Adventures of Sabrina and so forth, that it got a little confusing to see, okay, where did these traditions really come from? And I think that that's something that even before the 2015 boom of both things. So it's something that hasn't historically been done very well, and I'm here to hopefully shed a little bit of light on how to work with that. So let's say that you get to the point of realizing, okay, I think that there's more to both astrology and magic in their intersection than meets the eye. Where am I going to go to find more information? So this is where it gets really tricky, because in both astrology and in magic, there is a lot of what I would call intellectual posturing or intellectual uh, flexing, which is really just a form of gatekeeping, right? I'm not talking about in the sense of mystical orders, keeping information away from people, right? Um, but there is a sort of unspoken, if you don't already know all the words yet, I think you're stupid uh, energy to the conversations that go on 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 Twitter and Instagram about these things, you know, it, it's as bad for the the astrologers as it is for the witches, right? If you don't know a sabbat from an espot, right? So these are two different kinds of witchcraft holidays. Um, if you don't know your uh, time lord from your, you know, Doctor Who, then that people are going to assume that you are coming from a bad place, right? And I, I just think that <clears throat> that's ridiculous, right? Everybody had to learn at some point. And it's important to remember that speaking in a code like that while tempting, um, when we use astrology and magic as a code to speak only to each other, to only practitioners, it ceases to be helpful. Like, I'm not impressed that you know and can recite all the vocabulary words. I'm going to be impressed if you can say it in your own voice and explain it to someone who has no idea how to speak the language of astrology or of magic. And I think that's where it becomes really meaningful. So again, without further ado, I want to talk a little bit about, if I may, my own magical origin story. Maybe I should say my own magical villain origin story. Um... I, so many people, it, they seem to have always been into magic, but people don't often talk about 
how that became interwoven into their lives. How did this become such an essential part of their being? And so I ask this question of people all the time. I created a whole show just so that I could literally open with the question. Uh, tell me about your first memory of the first time that spirituality really spoke to you. Um, but I realized that I have never really talked about it. So maybe this will be a way, if you're curious about magic and how astrologers get into magic, uh, to know what that looks like. So I know I just said that um, sometimes it's more than magic just always having been a part of someone's life. But for me, uh, that was absolutely the case. Um, magic really was something that I didn't have the language to call it magic with a K, um, but I was always drawn to the mystical, the spiritual, um, and the unexplained in life um, more than anything else. I can remember like a few very vivid memories from my childhood. One was um, I would go with the other girls to the hedge uh, between houses, which is funny. It's the idea of a hedge, which is such a like a powerful symbol. But we would go to the hedge between houses and we would play witches and we would take baskets and pick berries and make potions. I'm doing air quotes with our berries. Um, but it was something that just seemed as absolutely natural as um, just like playing and, and being. It just it was what it was and it was beautiful. Um, I also, like I said, I was obsessed with mysteries, and granted, I am a Scorpio sun, uh, conjunct Pluto uh, in the 12th house, so mysteries are kind of my thing, but I remember in the library in elementary school, there were these books that were called like the Encyclopedia. Wikipedia of unsolved mysteries or something like that and it was basically just like a lot of it was like really absurd theories about like lost continents and aliens and stuff but some of it was about essentially magic and I was obsessed I would read them every time I could and it was just uh the coolest thing ever um but then the real biggest moment the first memory that I have of interacting with the idea of magic um, with a K, which was uh, a word made up by Aleister Crowley to distinguish magic from, like, uh, magic tricks, like at the Magic Castle. Um, he called it the science and art of causing change to occur in conformity with your will. So, essentially, you, with your mind or your desire, having an effect on the world around you. Um, I encountered Aleister Crowley... In the Girls' Life magazine, any other uh, millennial women out there, I don't know uh, if you read Girls' Life magazine, it was a mainstay of my life, and there was uh, an article in it, like, close to Halloween, I had, like, a, a candle, I remember the page was, like, black, um, and the question was, like, what is magic? And I read this, and I was immediately, like, it spoke to something in me, like, I, I kept it, I scrolled it away, and I think I remember asking my mom, like, what is this? These people say they're witches, I've what is that? I need to know more and was just kind of like shooed away. But I always kind of kept that in the back of my mind. Um, and it would be years down the road before I ever encountered that specific concept again. But it was such a powerful moment. Um, of course, there were also like spooky events. Like I've always had uh, spooky dreams that would end up coming true. Not often, but occasionally. Um, I talked on Eliza Kelly's podcast about living in a haunted house once. Um, but yeah, I think uh, magic has always just been around. But ultimately, I started looking into magic properly as like a slow, uh, slow journey from my astrological studies, which I've also talked about. I grabbed a copy of Parker's Astrology in Barnes & Noble and never looked back. And ultimately, uh, that Barnes & Noble occult section just became life. I listened to uh, Eliza Kelly and Annabelle Gatt, also a wonderful astrologer, talking about their own spiritual awakenings via Barnes & Noble. Like, maybe this is a thing. Maybe we all need to make a group, but... Um, it was a huge deal for me, um, and 
through that Barnes and Noble or where, where I worked, I ended up meeting my first astrology teacher and studying with them. Um, and my life happened to intersect with there was an occult shop um, on my walk back and forth across town for like lunch and such. And it smelled really good. I smelled the incense. Um, I think a lot of us have those like important moments with like scent memory, but I remember that incense. I remember going in and looking at all the shiny crystals and, and feeling this energy of what is this? How can I learn more about it? I'd never gotten a tarot deck, never used a crystal, never knew anything about that. This was well before the advent of Instagram as we know it now, but I just sort of felt myself drawn in. Um, so this is a, a long explanation to hopefully affirm to you that if you're listening to this and you are someone who's like, I'm really into astrology, I know my sun moon rising, it's something that I'm excited about, I think magic might be a thing that I'm interested in, but I'm not sure. I want you to know that magic finds you, right? And if magic is finding you, and if you hear that and you're like, that seems true, maybe it's time to try it out, right? Um, I, since those times, have studied magic in um, many more formal ways. So I definitely, I just devoured, devoured so many books on tarot and witchcraft um, and ultimately ended up deciding that I needed more. So I took a year and a day study with a teacher named Brianna Saucy. She has a book out now called Making Magic that is absolutely outstanding. Um, and her work really formed the foundation for a lot of what I believe about the world. Um, it was more putting into words things that I already thought, which is that we live in a magical world and, and the cycles of the stars and the interconnectedness of everything is all a reflection of, you know, beauty and spirit and everything being one. That's my Mars and Pisces talking. Um, but again... I want to answer a couple of questions. So the first question is, what is astrological magic? And people, this was actually an episode that had been requested several times. And I, I hesitated to do it. And I'm actually flying off the cuff a little bit off like a much shorter script than I usually do. Because I thought, what is astrological magic, right? What actually qualifies as that, right? And so I, it's it's complicated because I think you have to define both things. Um, so first, I want to say, what is magic? We already talked about what magic is. Um, and I want to say, how is magic different than witchcraft? So like witchcraft and magic share a lot of similarities, but they aren't the same. I think their main difference is how they look on the grid. I think witchcraft has a lot more houseplants than magic with a K. Uh, magic with a K probably is really edgy and only wears black. <laughs> There's definitely um, aesthetics that go along with these things. But as we'll talk about, aesthetics can be a magical tool because ultimately anything that you can use to influence your psyche to help you believe in and support a certain outcome is magic and it's wonderful. So astrological magic can be a couple of things. The first thing that I want to talk about is simply timing and honoring timing, celebrating timing. So astrological magic through timing would be taking out a minute to celebrate um, new and full moons, even if they're eclipses. More on that in a minute. Um, to celebrate um, whenever a planet moves into a new sign. Um, or maybe whenever you start a momentous new transit. Maybe you just started your Saturn return. Maybe that calls for a celebration instead of a moment of fear, right? Um, and I, I think that for the most part, astrological timing celebrations should be moments for, if not joy, then opportunity and perspective. I think there is way too much fear-mongering around the question, are there any times you shouldn't do magic? I get asked this constantly of, you know, people wanting to find the absolute perfect 
election to do, you know, whatever, to take a shit or something. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's so crass, but I think it whenever that comes up. And I think their astrology is a powerful tool to time our lives, and we should try to align ourselves with those rhythms as much as possible. However, I want you to think about this. So speaking of magic finding you, um, since last March, I have been practicing with the Arboretum Mysticum, which is part of 22 Teachings out in L.A. Yes, I said L.A. I've never been there. I live in South Carolina, um, but Gabriella Herstic, multiple-time guest and wonderful human being, actual angel, um, invited me to go. I told her, I was like, I'm feeling stagnant in my magical and astrological studies, and I don't know what to do next. She's like, you should come to this lodge with me. It's a little weird. It's a little intense, but you might like it. And because of the pandemic and because of Zoom, I was able to go. And it's been a mainstay of my week pretty much every single week for the last year. Um, and through studying with them, um, a lot of that work, it's based out of Hermetic Kabbalah, which is I could do a whole other episode on Hermetic Kabbalah, but in short, it is a um, system of magic that comes out of Jewish mysticism. Um, a lot of the rituals stem from the Golden Dawn and associated orders, and it aligns um, astrological energies, tarot cards, and ancient myths to give you something really very powerful to understand all of those crafts better. So you can see why I'm into it. Um, in short, we were doing a working about the magician card. Um, I, also, if you're interested in magic at all, uh, or stepping up your astrological studies, getting a tarot deck and memorizing the correspondences are everything. That will absolutely blow your mind. I, I can't recommend it enough. So Back to the story, we we're doing the uh, working on the magician card, and Mercury happens to be retrograde at the same time. Mercury is the planet that corresponds to the magician tarot card, and uh, at the beginning of the lodge, the wonderful leader Naha um, sort of mentioned this, and the overall consensus was, well, if it's the will of the divine to do this during Mercury retrograde, then so be it, and let's do it the absolute best we can. And ultimately, the working was incredibly powerful, and I ended up getting this really interesting visual image that totally changed the way that I thought about the magician card. Um, again, that could take a whole other episode to explain, but... As far as astrological timing, I want to encourage you to see any sort of planetary movement um, as an opportunity to align with or better understand that, okay? So what I'm not saying is, you know, it may not be the best time to try to, I don't, what I would say, harness the energy of that planet. So first of all, that isn't really, you know, it, energy can be channeled, but, you know, you're not going to be able to, like, you're not the TikTok witches. You're not going to put the moon in jail or what have you, right? Um, but I do think, and it's important to make a distinction between celebrating the beautiful rhythms of the universe and using astrology to make talismans. So talisman is, I don't know, not just something out of the Lord of the Rings. Talismans are real. And um, I think a lot of people, a lot more people use talismans than you would really think, right? If you have a lucky object that you sort of carry around and feel close to, or maybe even a, a teddy bear that you've had since you were a baby and it just has a lot of your energy in it, that's a ta protective talisman. It can be. Um, a talisman is an item that has been enchanted, so prayed over, focused on, potentially like anointed with oils and so on and so forth, to encapsulate the energy of a specific, potentially a specific planet. So you could have like a Venus talisman to help you with issues around finding love or feeling beautiful. You could have a Mars talisman to help you feel more assertive and confident. Um, and so on and so forth. So yes, when you're making a talisman, 
it's not a great idea to be so laissez-faire. And that is where people are coming from and what they're trying to say when they get all bent out of the frame saying, oh my god, you should never do magic at this time, whatever. More on that in a minute. Um, I think it also gets even more intense when, you know, now there really is this trend to everything spiritual has to be commodified and there's like a quick leap from I'm going to learn about magic and then okay I think I might try making my own talisman whether it's like enchanting an oil to put in your bath or a piece of jewelry to wear to make yourself feel more safe um to oh I'm gonna make a whole batch of these things and sell them to people right so if you're gonna sell these things to people you really need to know your shit and be prepared so here's how to know your shit and be prepared (laughs) um couple of things you're going to want to look for when you're planning out a talisman. And this really applies to any time you're picking a moment that's going to stick around for a long time. So let's say you're going to sign an important contract or start an important new project. All of this applies. So in general, essential dignity is a concept in astrology which basically says that A lot of us know that the planets, they all have signs that they rule. So Mars rules Aries and Scorpio, um, Venus rules Taurus and Libra, and so on and so forth. But what's become a lot more popular in recent years is the understanding, uh, which has been around for a long time, but has been repopularized, that planets also have houses where they are more and less comfortable right? So the houses where they are less comfortable would be fall or detriment, right? And so that planet just doesn't have the ability to express its energy as well in those places. It can go to extremes and act strangely. And then in exaltation, it's like that planet is living its best life. It is at the peak of its energy and, you know, is at the the, the best that you can get it. So, With making talismans or choosing a magical chart that's going to stick around, essential dignity is really, really important. Um, In a natal chart, I think essential dignity works differently because we're human beings and areas where we're challenged are areas where we want to grow, right? And so it's not going to be as cut and dry. But, you know, if you're going to make, let's say you do want to make a Venus talisman, you want to make a Venus oil to put in your bath to make yourself feel more beautiful or attract love of some kind. I would not do that when Venus was maybe in detriment or fall. And this is someone with a Venus in Virgo, which is Venus in fall talking, Um, because Venus, which is the planet that you're trying to get close to and better understand, just isn't going to be as available. She's going to be in signs where either Mars ruled signs, where that sweet, syrupy energy is sort of like soured by or or embittered by the energy of Mars, um, or in like a very cerebral Virgo, um, where that sensual ability to just feel through life is going to be limited. So you see what I mean. Pay attention to essential dignity if you are going to try and make um, some sort of talisman. Um, If you want to make a talisman, also keep an eye on what aspects. This is similar to what I said in the eclipse episode. Keep an eye on what aspects the planet that you want to work with is making, right? Um, If you want to work with, let's say, Jupiter and Jupiter is making a bunch of squares, well, that is going to show up in whatever you decide to make, right? So instead of just being a purely uh, Jupiterian, let's go out and have a great time and uh, study really hard and attract wealth, um, there's going to be more potential for conflict or over-exaggeration or like those more challenging aspects of Jupiter there. Um, I think that it's also important to consider things like retrogrades too, if the planet that you, I think this is more important with personal planets, but the planet that you want to work with is retrograde, um, maybe wait until afterwards or alternately, um, 
Consider what Sabrina Monarch said in the recent episode of Bad Astro. She said that, you know, whenever there's a new transit, um, you can think about what's the challenge here and what is the magical opportunity? So I'm not saying that you can always turn lemons into lemonade, but if you feel called, like, I'm not going to stop you from making a Venus retrograde oil. Maybe that would help you get in touch with, like, with your inner Venus or, you know, connect spiritually with goddesses, right? So, like, other aspects of Venus that aren't just, like, the outward performance of glamour and enjoyment of life, right? Um, another thing that I wanted to mention as well is the idea of correspondences. So, astrological magic, um, I mentioned is really just the convergence of these two ideas, and it's formed completely around this idea of correspondences, which is the concept that every you know planet or sign is aligned with associated materia magica, right? So things like herbs, perfumes, crystals, types of jewelry, shapes, so on and so forth, right? And there are plenty of resources you can use to learn more about these correspondences. Obviously, there's Culpepper's correspondences. There is also um, 777 by Aleister Crowley is definitely what I use the most. Um, but what I would recommend if you're just getting started, just trying to get to know what are these planets? Like, I, I have more than just my sun, moon, rising, and my birth chart. What do I do? Um, get a journal. Yes, I'm back on the astrology journal again. If you ever work with me as a teacher, that really is the cornerstone of, of what we do together. Um, and take a page of your journal and write the planetary glyph. Learn how to write the glyph. That itself can be a magical act. And then make your own. Write down all the things in your life that make you feel connected to love and beauty and glamour if you're working with, let's say, Venus, right? If you're working with Saturn, write down all the things in your life that connect you to responsibility and authority and structure and the feeling of being both supported and held to account. Um, one thing I want to remind you is that any table of correspondences, even things that we uphold as almost freaking holy books like 777, is that all of this was just some magician's experimentation at some point, right? Somebody had to write it. And magic is a living tradition. So it has to live within us. And you can be a part of that by writing in your journal, and keeping your own correspondences. You know, start with the basics. You think you do have to learn the rules in order to break the rules, right? You have to learn the language in order to make poetry out of it. Um, but it really is important that you start and just practice. So I, I want to come back to the topic of eclipses and magic very briefly. Um, there's a whole episode on this debate, so I won't go on very long. Um, but I wanted to get into this idea because I wanted to talk about the moon and magic. So if you're brand new to the concept of astrological magic, start with the moon. That is... Um, the number one thing that I can recommend to you. Definitely listen to the episodes of Bad Astro with Alkisis Dimek and uh, Sarah Godesteiner, um, both of which are powerful sorceresses and have amazing wisdom about how the moon connects you to just really powerful energy that's available. Um, it's always been this way. I, and that you'll find that if you're interested in witchcraft, that really is the one of the few cornerstones of the craft, is following the moon and honoring that as a natural rhythm, right? Um, the shortest uh, answer to that is, and this is just great for planning your energy levels too. I know I mentioned in the episode about um, 2021 and how can we align our astrology with these changing times, you know, we have more limited uh, resources of time and energy and focus to apply to things than ever. So honestly, magic can make your life a lot easier. 
Um, understanding that when the moon is waxing all the way up to when it's full, you're going to be at your peak. Your energy levels will be rising and then peaking at the full moon. And then as the moon is waning and then is ultimately dark, your energy levels will decrease. Um, and you can plan your magics thusly, right? Um, as the moon waxes and is full, that would be a great time to attract things to you to try to get more of something that you want, whether it's a, a, a job or a relationship or just simply um, connection to community. You know, not everything in magic has to be so intense. Um, and then as it wanes, you can still have a positive effect by, let's say, Focusing on banishing debt or um, cutting cords of difficult relationships or um, banishing blocks, so on and so forth. Um, eclipses are very important. I feel like portal has a TikTok meaning that I don't know about, so I'm not going to say that word. Um, but they're really important. And I, I found when I was reading a wonderful book, Mystical Kabbalah by Dion Fortune, that she actually talked about um, what makes working with eclipses so difficult. Um, she says that um, practical occult work is best let alone during the dark of the moon by all but experienced workers. The life-giving forces are relatively weak and the unbalanced forces are relatively strong. The result in an experienced hands is chaos. So note that she doesn't say don't do it at all. She says the result in inexperienced hands is chaos. And there's certainly the potential for chaos because eclipses are um, times when these natural rhythms are intensified, right? So if that's something you think you might want to work with, like, go for it. But it might be something best done privately and not directed towards the, a super intense thing that you're, you're trying to get. Okay. That was a lot. We've been all over the place in this episode, but I hope that it has helped you. Um, another keyword that you will want to know as it relates to astrological magic is the idea of remediation. Um, I wrote about it for Sanctuary, and we'll link that in the show notes. Um, planetary remediation is just a fancy word for taking actions, often magical actions, that can help you build a better relationship with difficult parts of your chart. So what does it mean if a part of your chart is difficult? Um, you know, I, there's a lot of memes that say things like, my chart is trash, or my chart is fucked, or this placement of mine is fucked. No one's chart is trash, right? No one's placements are, are hopeless beyond healing at all. Um, that's what remediation is for. So traditionally, if you have a planet that is, let's say, aspecting one of the malefics, so Mars or Saturn, um, making a lot of squares or oppositions, or is based on essential dignity in a place that is making it difficult to access that. So Venus and Virgo, raising my hand over here. Um, remediation might be for you. So planetary remediation involves using some of that materia magica we were talking about to just try to get better acquainted with those vibes. So for the sun, that would be potentially using a stone that is golden, gold jewelry, scents that are bright and energizing like the sun. Like I like a uh, blood orange. I have a blood orange perfume that I use and then doing actions that are solar. So sun is about being seen. Um, so just like taking a selfie. Uh, is actually great solar remediation. And you can take that through and um, figure out how to best work with uh, the planet that you might want to connect with. And when I talk about relating to the planets, it's an interesting thought experiment to consider when we do astrological magic, what are the planets, right? Are they cosmic intelligences? Are they like sentient beings? Are they actually the gods and goddesses for which they're named? Um, I can't answer that for you. I think that everyone has a different belief about it, and we should make assumptions about what people do think. I think that in your journal, like I said before, you should 
take some time and consider what you think. And it's also okay if what you think evolves over time. Um, another thing that you may want to play around with is the language that you use for doing magic with the planet. So um, I've always felt weird about the words that we use for that. Um, we say, I'm working with this planet or I'm working with this god or goddess. And it's like, okay, did you like see them by the water cooler? Are you... Are y'all going to go get like a beer after work? It's like super strange to me. It feels too informal. Um, but then building a relationship with, I like that better in the sense that you can build a relationship with anything. You can build a better relationship to a concept, right? You can build a better relationship to the idea of empathy or to um, self-care or anything like that. Um, I am not personally a fan of over-humanizing the planets. Um, I do think that it can be an interesting exercise to consider the god gods and goddesses behind them. And that is a very, very powerful way to learn more about the planet's work um, in the world. Um, I would highly recommend reading the Homeric Hymns. Uh, to each of the planets associated gods and goddesses just to get to know them. But as far as creating a spiritual relationship with them, that's ultimately up to you. I know the Orphic hymns have been getting a lot of airplay lately, uh, but I'm more of a Homeric hymn person. Um, and then what that would be called, also another vocabulary word, so you can flex on everyone on Twitter, is called propitiation. So when you... Um, go to a planetary intelligence or god or goddess and you're like, I need your help with this. Can you do me a solid? That's called planetary propitiation. Remediation is just the act of trying to um, improve how that planet's energy flows in your life. Propitiation is bringing in the actual like spiritual call out piece of it. Um, so Let's say that you've never, quote unquote, worked with a planet before. You've never worked with a deity. Um, you've never built a relationship with them. How do you know which one to work with? Okay, so here's where to start. I would say first consider working with your ruling planet. So that would be the planet that rules your ascendant. Um for me, that's Jupiter, so that would be, you know, maybe draw myself a Jupiter talisman with a glyph. Um, I love fragrances that have a little bit of saffron or fig in them, which are uh, very Jupiterian in nature, and then potentially doing um, magic relating to growth and wealth and spiritual study. Um, other planets that you might want to consider working with are, like I just said, Jupiter. Consider working with the benefics. If you are in a tough spot and you're like, oh my God, Cosmos, can you just help me out with this one? That's where you call in help from the benefics and that's Venus and Jupiter. Um, and the next stellar school on patreon.com slash badastro is going to be all about the benefics, um, how they work in the chart, how they're different based on the time that you were born and how to call on them for help while managing your expectations of what they can do for you because they can give you the most wonderful, sensual, exciting experiences, but also like everything, there's a flip side and can go too far. So the benefics are a great place to start to just get a little bit of a boost. Who doesn't want to feel more beautiful and, and more luxury? Um, the malefics, on the other hand, can also be great to work with. That's Mars and Saturn. Um, I would say do this after you've had a little bit of practice because it can be a lot more of a challenging experience. Um, but if you're having a tough transit, you're having some sort of super hardcore Mars or Saturn transit, um, put that energy to work for you, you know, and, and potentially... Use magic and spirituality, whether through journaling or doing some sort of spell. Spell can be as simple as lighting a candle in a color associated with that planet 
um, bringing in a scent um, associated with the planet. Um, writing what would be called a petition, just writing down your thoughts and, and what you hope to come to pass. Um, you can also heighten the moon by dressing in the color of that planet. We really just want to create like a container. You want to immerse yourself in the experience of that planet. So for the malefics, let's say you just started your Saturn return. You know, malefics are not all bad, right? They're a challenge, but you know, Mars is an energy that, let's say, elite athletes or people who debate for a living need to have in their corner. Um, similar with Saturn, we all need to be acquainted with what structures do we operate best in? How can we best assert our authority in a way that is responsible and supportive of the people around us and is accountable to what society needs? Um, it's totally worth it. Give it a shot. Let me know how it goes for you. Lastly, you'll notice that the outer planets, um, so the outer outer planets, also called transpersonal, so that would be Uranus, Neptune, and Pluto, um, don't have the traditional correspondences and lore that some of the others do simply because they were discovered a lot more recently. Um, wonderful podcast by Kira, aka The Astrology, imagining, you know, what would remediation for those planets look like. And I, I love that concept. And I think that it's totally possible to um, work with them in a magical sense through, you know, maybe starting with the hymns associated with them and the mythology and just going where you feel intuitively drawn, right? Um, I think it is really interesting to think about Neptune as if we look in the myths, I've said on this podcast a zillion times, he's called the earth shaker, right? And you really have those earth-shaking feelings when he comes up. So remember the experimentation that's so important here and try it out for yourself. And the last planet I would recommend really working with is whatever you feel drawn to. There's no rules to this thing. You get to make them, right? Um, and the last thing when it comes to quote-unquote working with a planet is materials. So you don't need to spend a lot of money to do magic. I would recommend, in fact, using what you already have, right? Um, what herbs do you have in your kitchen? If you have salt and water, you can do magic, right? Um, do you have a candle? That'll help. Um, but there's no need to go out and spend a bunch of money um, on something special unless you're feeling called to do that and... Uh, you feel like it would really heighten your work. Um, one thing that I like to do is enchant things that I've already had for a while um, for certain purposes. So I've done this with my perfume collection. Each perfume is sort of enchanted to a different planet or a different experience. Um, and I think that, you know, obviously perfume is a very luxurious item. Um, I haven't yet gone out and bought a perfume for a ritual purchase. Maybe one day I will, but... Don't feel like you need to take out a business loan to start doing magic. You can do it just with yourself. And by acknowledging the energy and beauty of the planets, you know, going outside and looking up at the stars is truly magic as well. Um, before we go, I wanted also to mention, we should think about the question, what do we do planetary magic Four, right? Um, magic isn't just a genie in a bottle that will grant all your wishes. In fact, the jinn as a concept are pretty terrifying. Uh, <laughs> but that aside, with magic, you know, it's called the great work for a reason. You still have to do the work, right? You can align yourself with the rhythms of the stars, which is what we use astrology to do, to find the path that has the most ease, or at the very least, gives you the most spiritual perspective to help you get there. But you have to do it yourself. And even then, you know, another thing that Dion Fortune talks about, many magicians talk about this, that I think is so important, is that what 
might be called your manifestations, I'm doing air quotes, will come to you through natural means, right? It's very unlikely some rando is going to call you up and say, you won the lottery because you did a Jupiter spell. It could totally happen. I, I mean, sure, the weirder things have occurred. But more than likely, the objective of what you hope to gain or your connection to that planet will come through natural means. Maybe there was a person in your network um, that was a teacher and you didn't realize it and, you know, they strike up a conversation with you. Maybe you stumble across a beautiful outfit in your closet that you had forgotten that you had and it sparks an idea within you to work on a new project. These are all beautiful and magical experiences just as much as those dramatic moments, although I've certainly had very dramatic uh spells come true too. Um, I want to end this very wild episode by affirming two things. The first is that astrology is magical. Um, I've mentioned before that I feel like the place where, um, you know, astrologers and um, venture capitalists tend to align is trying to erase the magic from astrology, but I think that that is just absurd. You know, from the earliest times, astrologers were magicians and vice versa. Um, it's all about just learning about the rhythms of the universe and how to align with them. Um, and what is more magic than understanding that we are all a part of the cosmos's beating heart and something that is so powerful and so much bigger than we are. And the second thing is that just as astrology is magical, so are you, right? You have so much power. And when you align yourself with the stars, you already have agency. And astrological magic is just a way to tap into that. Don't put your life on hold waiting for the perfect timing. Instead, I would urge you to use astrological magic as a way to remember that agency and to find new and exciting perspectives and ways to connect to the challenge and the magical opportunity within every transit, every energy, everything that happens to you. So good luck. I wish you all the best with your stellar sorcery. And if you have any questions at all, um, please reach out to me at uh, at gmail.com and uh, badastrologers at gmail.com. Um, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter. And as always, I'm just so deeply grateful that, especially if you got here, that you would want to listen all the way through my, uh, my magical astrological villain origin story and my weird philosophies about the places where magic and astrology intersect. You know, one of my goals for 2021 was uh, make astrology magic again. <laughs> that, was, that was it. I, I really wanted to remind people that those two, it's okay to speak those two things in the same breath and that ultimately there's a little of, of each and both. So I hope this has helped you and I wish you a very, very happy Virgo new moon. I love you all.